0: Hi, I'm Jeff Ray, your host for Economic Outlook. Welcome to our show, where each week we take a deep dive into the regional economy and the people, the companies, the communities and the projects that are helping our region grow. The global pandemic and the economic crisis that followed has left a lasting impact on nearly every industry, perhaps none more impacted than the commercial and industrial real estate markets. We'll take a closer look at those markets in the pandemic economy and talk about how they're poised to rebound coming up on Economic Outlook. The pandemic has caused a shift in people's shopping and dining habits and has forced companies to work remotely instead of in person. Those things have impacted the commercial and industrial real estate markets in a negative way, but will those impacts last? We're sitting down today for a conversation about real estate in a pandemic economy. Please join me in welcoming Tim Meehall, Vice President of Retail Services and Principal at NAI Cressy, Joe Grable with Berkshire Hathaway Commercial Services, and Jeremy McClements, the Vice President at the Bradley Company. Just one other note before we get started here at WNIT, we're respecting social distancing and as such have both our hosts and our guests joining us virtually instead of in person. Gentlemen, welcome! Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.
0: Well, appreciate having you back. We we obviously have a different conversation than we've had in the past. Uh, uh, We've really enjoyed the chance to uh, get inside your brains in the past and talk about real estate a little bit. And and obviously with the pandemic, uh, a lot of things changing, and so I want to really focus on that today. I want to start maybe Joe uh, with you and give it, let's go back in time, hop in a time machine with me, go back pre pandemic, talk a little bit about what's happening in the real estate markets before the pandemic hit.
2: Yeah, so from my perspective, it was full throttle, right? Um, All the markets, uh, office, retail and industrial were performing pretty strongly, Um, so strongly in fact, that it felt a little bit like a sugar high. the market was performing really, really well, kind of across the board, in my experience. And uh, the future looked so bright, you had to wear shades.
0: <laughs> All right, and Jeremy, let me come your way too. Let's start, You do a lot with warehouse, industrial, some of those things. Uh, uh, tell us what was going on in that space prior to pandemic hitting. I mean, prior to the
3: pandemic, the space was moving really, really well. And honestly, none of that really changed with the pandemic. It, it slowed down. It definitely slowed down for a couple months. Um, but we really didn't slow down in terms of our business. We did more business last year than the year before and the year before that. So everything has kind of continued to grow. The issue is obviously availability of space and that's been a problem before the pandemic and then even after the pandemic is just having the space available.
0: Great, thanks, Jeremy. And Tim, let me come your way. You're, you talk. You spend a lot of time in the commercial real estate you know, side of, of things, retail. Uh, talk a little bit about um, those markets. You know, kind of what was happening here in our region, both Michigan and Indiana, you know, prior to the pandemic.
1: Well, as as you know, Joe described, it was a, a pretty robust market. Um, the The demand for space had had already started to shift from uh, larger spaces to maybe smaller multi-tenant shared buildings. Um, so that's where we saw the bulk of the development uh, that was going on in, in geez, whether it was you know St. Joe County or Southwest Michigan, um, a lot of restaurant activity. Uh, there was a fair amount of banking activity, uh, but but the shift had already been on away from larger spaces to uh, to much smaller, uh, more prominent, uh, out in front kind of spaces.
0: Great. So last March the pandemic hits, and we start to see impacts really on all industries, uh, uh, businesses, uh, kind of the force. You know, government shutdowns, offices go uh, to virtual and such, uh, you know, many things are closed. So, so let's walk through this last year a little bit and, and, and maybe talk about some of those industries and, and how uh, how they've been impacted, especially um, and maybe, Tim, I'm going to stay with you for a second and, 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 and to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of some of that, th- those forward uh, front uh, retail uh, commercial restaurant, you know, kind of spaces. And, and I, I feel like because of traffic, those were impacted the most.
1: Uh, they may have been, um, you know, the market took a real pause there for, for a little while, for a couple of months. Uh, but, uh, most of my, I shouldn't say most, a good part of my activity over the course of the last, you know, eight or nine months has been oddly enough restaurants. Um, we've had some people exit the market, uh, that may have been, you know, suffering before and pandemic was just sort of the final nail. Um, but there have been people coming in right behind them to uh, to take some of those spaces. Uh, activity is 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 up substantially. If you've got a drive through, um, you know, not much of a dining room, but if you've got a drive through in a pretty good location, uh, it's it's really high demand. Uh, we're also seeing we're seeing a shift. We're we're seeing a little bit of it before, but even more so now. We're seeing a shift um, in uses. Uh, the the, the straight up retail uh, Uses whether it's clothing or shoes or you know the kind of things you can get online, um, the demand is down for that for brick and mortar on that stuff to a degree, but people are coming in with interest for alternative uses whether it's medical or services you can't get on the internet, personal services uh, that you've got to go out for. So there's a lot of activity there right now as well.
0: Great, Joe, uh, take us inside you know the minds of some of your clients over the last you know couple of months. They're wrestling with these shutdowns, the, the closures, you know, some of them are obviously thinking about, um, you, you know, do, do I stay? Do I go? Do I grow? Those kind of things. Give us, uh, you, know, you know, maybe some of that insight from, from your clients during that time period.
2: Sure. Um, Well, starting with retail and in particular restaurants, uh, that's an industry that was essentially uh, decimated uh, by the coronavirus. Um, I think Tim spoke to it. Uh, A number of the weaker players, in particular in the casual dining segment, uh, where sit down was a the primary component, um, it really accelerated maybe things that were inevitable, but we saw TGI Fridays and Applebee's, large well-capitalized chains, closed stores, and lots and lots of sit down restaurants that were mom and pop operations, uh, just go out of business period. And uh, although I think the early um, PPP loans and EIDL loans uh, were well-intentioned. The rollout of that was so clunky that for the smaller, less capitalized operators, uh, they were out of business before the age, age showed up. So um, so that was a really difficult transition. Um, interestingly, here we are a year later, and Tim's absolutely right, a number of those boxes that went dark quickly, uh, we've already got demand for those restaurant spaces. And the real winners in this have been the folks with uh predominantly carry out delivery type models. So I would be really surprised if there's a pizza store in St. Joe County that lost money last year, whether they're branded or unbranded, uh, the same thing for the delivery sandwich shops and, and other folks that have a large delivery component. And we've seen a big growth in our market of some of the delivery services like Grubhub and the likes, uh, incredibly popular right now. On the office side, uh, there's been a pretty radical transformation. Lots of folks that can are working virtually, and that's beginning to trigger serious questions about, uh, if I've been functioning reasonably well for 6, 9, 12 months, do I really need that office space at all? Can I work 100% virtually? Um, I suspect the answer is no, that folks will discover that over the long haul, but it's certainly a temptation. You get to ditch a whole bunch of overhead right up front. So there are lots of businesses evaluating that as a change in the business model.
0: Jeremy, I'll come your way to continue that office uh, discussion. Your company obviously plays in that space quite a bit as well too. Uh, What what kind of observations from your um, office uh, customers about uh, not only navigating the last year, but sort of the path forward?
3: I think, you know, everybody, just like the guys are mentioning, everybody's looking at their the entire picture of their office right now and what that looks like going forward in the future and definitely right sizing what that looks like. So while that market um, was a little bit slow, like everything else, at the very beginning of the pandemic, there's a lot more activity within the market right now with companies trying to figure out sizing and what they're going to look like moving forward. So, you know, our company is a great example of that. I ha- I come into the office occasionally if I need to get things done, but I don't need to be in the office. And so everybody's taking a hard look at what that is and it looks like for their business and their company and trying to figure out what the plan is moving forward. I think, you know, keeping social distancing in mind and what that looks like with your employees is a really big deal, but also um, access and IT support and what all that looks like on the office side. So everything's changing with Zoom and with Teams and all these different opportunities that we have to be remote. But at the same time, there's something to be said for getting into the office. And so I think it's more just a right sizing that's happening right now. And activity still remains strong. Certain segments and areas like downtown has a little bit more vacancy rate than usual. Um, And so everybody's just trying to figure out what that looks
0: like right now. Joe, I want to come back your way for a second. More of a, let's call it global perspective, or, or maybe not global, but let's call it United States. Uh, perspective. And, and so it, it seemed to be pre-pandemic. There was some trends to uh, th- for larger urban areas uh, that uh, um, that there was a lot of growth and, and development happening there. Uh, the pandemic seems to have uh, um, you know have some people thinking whether they want to be in those urban areas. Are there you know national trends that uh, that we should be able to take advantage post-pandemic? That did, did, did this teach companies lessons that. Uh, 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 that that they'll learn about, you know, kind of where they want to locate, uh, you know, based on, you know, big cities versus smaller, more rural, help us understand any lessons learned there.
2: Yeah, unquestionably in my mind, and there's been a lot of press around this, uh, the urban centers uh, had created incredible demand. I'm talking here about uh, New York, San Francisco, the Bay Area, Chicago, what have you. And I think a combination of uh, the pandemic Uh, already existing very high housing prices and also in some cases some civil unrest like what we saw in downtown uh, uh, Chicago. It absolutely uh, made people think twice. If you don't get any of the amenities like the restaurants and the ability to go to plays or opera or what have you, if you don't have availability of any of those things, I think some people are asking themselves, why am I paying $4,000 a month in rent? Right uh, when I could be back home in South Bend, Indiana, renting for $800 or $1,000 a month. And I have witnessed that firsthand where uh, um, tenants of mine have relocated from LA or New York City. Um, and of course they had connections already in the area, uh, but they made a decision that uh, they were unwilling to pay that kind of a premium For that kind of a life experience and so i think at least in the short term or short to intermediate term there is going to be a flight from some of these really expensive places um over the long haul i still think new york city and the bay area uh, you know will have compelling value propositions but uh, in the short to intermediate term there's no question our area our region is going to benefit from folks moving back to the midwest
0: Jeremy, I want to talk in, back to industrial a second. You said things had, had been really good this last year. Obviously, early on in the pandemic, supply chains had been interrupted. Companies had had, had shut down. Uh, have has the much like Joe was talking about, has has the pandemic taught us certain lessons in the warehousing distribution? Are there advantages to, to being here that uh, uh, that they weren't quite as clear uh, pre-pandemic, but but might have been exaggerated by uh, by impacts during the pandemic?
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, the biggest issue during the pandemic for was that a lot of manufacturers uh, shut down for eight weeks. You know, eight to ten weeks, they were shut down. And when they're shut down, they can't make product. And so then you run into supply chain issues. And I think people are really looking at their supply chain right now and what that looks like, whether they're getting their product from across the United States or they're getting their product from overseas everybody experienced delays there, which impacted what they were able to manufacture and what they were able to do when it kicked back on. You know, the RV industry is a great example of that. Those guys had to shut down for eight weeks. And during that time, everybody was really getting sick of being at home inside their house with their kids. So they wanted to get outside. They wanted to get in RVs. And they started buying up those dealer units that were on lots already, but they weren't able to make ones to backfill those units. And so they ran into a you know, couple month delay in terms of getting their product out the door. And then the suppliers had the same issue. So they couldn't get their products from overseas or they couldn't get their products from other places. And it just created a a gigantic problem. So I think a lot of people are looking at the total supply chain for their business and how it works and operates. And the Amazon effect of what we've even seen locally here, Amazon coming here, Amazon going to Fort Wayne, Amazon doing another million square feet in Fort Wayne these big box distribution centers are gonna keep growing and they're gonna keep going. Um, And some of that's gonna maybe look like taller buildings, even taller than what we're seeing on the Northwest side of town, potentially for for some of those larger players, but it's also gonna look like um, this is a great spot to be in to get access to three quarters of the United States in a day's drive time. This is a great spot to be from a distribution standpoint and companies are realizing that. And the other piece I guess to target onto that as well is just labor. Um, you know, the unemployment rate in the state is right around 5% or even here locally, it's under four. Um, and that's a big deal. So if, if you're having a hard time staffing and you're trying to ramp production up or you're trying to bring in more distribution jobs, you need to be in a, a location where the cost of living is good, like Joe mentioned, but also where there's amenities, where you can get outside, where you can, where you can go to a park and where you don't feel like you're stuck um, in a downtown apartment or somewhere far away from here. So, you know, that's just a few thoughts on that.
0: Great. Tim, I want to come your way. Um, um, Jeremy mentioned the Amazon effect and, and obviously there's a, a lot of thought that that has influenced retail. I think, uh, you know, I feel like every year the the, the media does some story about it. Is the Are these retail districts dead? Is everybody going to buy everything online? Will them all, uh, you know, survive, you know, different things. So, so, talk a little bit about just sort of the the trends there, and even lessons that 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 we might have learned on the on the retail side um, going forward that, that maybe position us to to continue to have those vibrant commercial areas. Uh,
1: well, there's not a whole lot of question that that it's a it's you know it's not going away. Um, you know, and and this huge uptick that that we've seen during the pandemic um, isn't necessarily going to roll back. Uh, you know, it, it takes a lot to change consumer um, uh, patterns and habits and, and so on. And, and once, once it starts to head off in this direction, and, and whether it's Amazon or anybody else, um, that's the way it's going to kind of keep going. Uh, we've never been a market. We, we, I don't think we've ever been a market that's necessarily been overstored. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are, there are areas of Chicago that I think are going to suffer much worse than we will from a vacancy or reuse perspective Um, the mall is 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 like university park for instance it's it's just too big of an asset to go away uh it's too big of an anchor um for the region um for it to go away you know i can see the sears uh parcel the, the entire 16 acre parcel however big it is being completely redeveloped, you know, for a multi-use kind of a deal, there may be some multifamily aspect. I don't know this, but I can see a multifamily aspect to it. Um, you know, still entertainment can still be a, a big uh, uh, component to something like that. But it's going to be, you know, it, it's not going to be another department store. Um, gotcha. and that's and that's because department stores are were on their way out or to suffering anyway. And you know the pandemic really is it, is just gonna it's gonna be a pretty seismic shift in the long term way some of these assets are going to be used. It's not going away. It'll just be it'll be repurposed and and reused.
2: Retail- yeah, if I hope just follow that on. Um, Tim was talking about the retail disruption, and uh, I think traditionally everybody has thought that the service industry is pretty well immune from those same trends. Pretty hard to get a haircut. By Amazon, right? But what's uh, what's happened though is the profitability of those stores has absolutely been uh, impacted by. Uh, the pandemic and changing buying patterns. So what happens is when people don't get a haircut for eight weeks or 10 weeks, they may be inclined to get a haircut less frequently going forward. And I think same store sales even now are significantly trailing what they used to be. The other thing is uh, in the hair salon industry, again, an industry you would think would be totally unimpacted by the internet. Um, product sales, the, the moose or the shampoo or what have you, that's a significant component of those stores profitability and folks have shifted their buying uh, patterns. And as a result, the, uh, those chains are selling significantly less product because now people are ordering that product online instead of getting it from their salon. And that's not true just for the, quick service chains, but even the high end salons are selling less high end product because people have gotten in the habit of buying their product online as a result of the past year. So sometimes there can be completely unanticipated shifts to even service businesses and their, their business model. So maybe a haircut gets more expensive. Uh, I'm still not going to get my haircut on Amazon, but uh, but the revenue model is going to have to change for them. And some of those tenants, will have to change their revenue model, or they're not going to be able to afford the rents they've been paying in the past.
0: Great. Let's shift a, a second and talk downtowns uh, in particular. It seems, you know, uh, uh, pre-pandemic, we, we had some nice success, whether it was, you know, Goshen or Elkhart or South Bend or Mishawaka or Niles or Buchanan. There were a lot of uh, Plymouth, a lot of great activities happening in the downtown um, here in our region, whether that be, uh, you know, restaurant or office or different Things I think people are are really interested in their center city and, and what's happening. Any post-pandemic trends? Will some of that downtown interest uh, r- remain strong, or, or are there things that we should worry about in the in the downtown area?
1: Tim, do you want to speak to that? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, who wants to jump on that one? Uh, <laughs> I you know, as long as the residential patterns, I think, as long as the residential patterns keep. Uh, you know keep shifting and keep focusing in downtowns um you know the need for the services and the need for the amenities um, i think is going to continue to be there uh i've i've been in over the course of the last couple of days i've been in downtown laporte downtown Goshen, downtown plymouth don't ask me why but but i've been in in a lot of these smaller downtowns and the traffic is is still just huge i mean there's there's still there's still plenty of activity and they're and and there's still things going on now I'm not sure if it was just a lot of you know uh, passing through traffic that kind of thing but but they were they were busy there was a lot of people in those downtowns
2: yeah I agree. I I think the future of downtowns are bright as long as uh, communities continue to understand the importance of amenities in those downtowns. We've seen in South Bend and Mishawaka. uh, In Mishawaka, I'm doubling down on the downtown. I really believe in it. Uh, I think they're doing great things with the parks, and uh, I think people want to be there. Uh, In the late 70s, early 80s, there was a big question, are the malls in America going to completely empty out the downtowns and kill those downtowns? And, at first, it kind of seemed like they might, but uh, I think over time patterns have changed. Housing patterns have changed significantly, and uh, I really think uh, well-managed downtowns, where the cities get it and understand the importance of a vibrant retail sector, I think they're going to continue to outperform. Great,
0: Jeremy, I want to come your way. We're about four minutes uh, left here, so in our final four minutes, Jeremy, you mentioned some of the some of the same challenges that existed pre-pandemic exist you know, kind of post or or during the pandemic, whether it be, you know, buildings or sites or inventory. So, so as we're thinking about, uh, you know, sort of moving forward, what what are some of the things that we as a community should be doing to, uh, to better prepare ourselves for those opportunities to encourage uh, commercial or industrial office kind of development?
3: I think the biggest thing we can do is all work together. And, you know, that's one of the things that we found out a lot during this pandemic is that everybody's only a Zoom call away. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're running day-to-day, like we were pre-pandemic, just chasing things left and right, you sort of miss the fact that we're all connected and we're all trying to do the same thing for our region, whether that's, you know, North Central Indiana here or Southwest Michigan. Um, and, and just looking at the big picture and what, how communities can work together and not compete against each other. You know, you and I had talked a few weeks ago about the labor force and where labor is coming from St. Joe County to Elkhart County and what that looks like back and forth between the two. And I think all that's important, um, but it's also important to look at housing and to look at what you're doing in your, like like these guys were just mentioning the downtown core, what that looks like amenities outside. I think focusing it on what we can do together as communities, how we can grow together as communities, and how we can be more regional focused is gonna make a really big difference in setting us apart. It's gonna set us apart for site selectors who are looking at these market and for companies that are looking to the market, and then just being able to tell the story about what, what we have to offer in this region and what we have to offer from the college standpoint from you know young adults and, and kids and housing and our downtown areas and what the amenities that we have and, and how to sell those amenities and then just the way that we can distribute and bring product from from here to other places in the country and also produce it here and get it to other places in the country and being able to talk through that important is very important kind of to the growth of the future I see.
0: Joe I want to come your way kind of follow up on, on that question. So what in our last two minutes what what are the kind of uh, if there's an elected official you know, watching, if there are community leaders here, what are some of the things the community um, can be and should be doing to help the clients that you're bringing here um, you know, be ready to go?
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to start off by strongly seconding uh, Jeremy's motion that uh, a sense of regionalism should trump everything else. Uh, I really do think that when folks consider our area, they're looking at the entire area. And so more regional partnerships, I think, over the long haul is what's going to position us best. Uh, the other thing, and I know the uh, Indiana Enterprise Center a for instance, uh, has had some real bumps in terms of community buy-in and things like that. But I think, uh, at the end of the day, getting the entitlements and the zoning in place with appropriate community input is gonna be really important because the more you can get things shovel ready and eliminate barriers to potential future development, the better off our communities, all of our communities are gonna be um, uh, to experience future growth. So anything that municipal entities can do to appropriately Expedite those approvals and set the table for future development, and be intentional about infrastructure. All of those things are huge.
0: Great, and Tim, I'll give you the last word on this. On same thing, any any advice or things as a community
1: we should be doing
0: in our last uh, uh, thirty seconds here or so uh, to really position ourselves for uh, for continued growth. Uh, I,
1: I think it's the getting the word out there and and, and selling the community, selling the region. Um, and I think a big, a big way that happens is uh, is probably increasing the chamber budget, Jeff. So, uh, <laughs> uh, is this is this an envelope, Jeff? There, there you go.
0: I'm, I'm glad I gave you the last word there. It was great, <laughs> well, gentlemen. I'm I'm grateful for you joining us today. Thank you for the good work that you're doing and selling our communities here, and, and we really appreciate it. This is a, a terrific update on on what's going on, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back in the future. People really enjoy. Um, your insight and and kind of hearing about what's going on. So thank you for taking your time today. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for our show today. Thank you for watching on WNIT or listening to our podcast. To watch this episode again or any of our past episodes, you can find Economic Outlook at WNIT.org or find our podcast on most major podcast platforms. I also encourage you to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. I'm Jeff Ray. I'll see you next week. WNIT local production has been made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you.